Welcome to the Chamber Podcast. I'm Paul Faulkner and in this episode I'm joined by West Midlands Mayor Andy Street to discuss all things transport. Andy talks about his commitment to improving public transport across the region, the introduction of a clean air zone in Birmingham and why the West Midlands must get behind HS2. Since being elected as mayor, you've underlined your commitment to improving public transport around the region on a you know, consistent basis. And that includes long-term metro extension projects, uh, overhaul of the train services, new station openings and significant investment in cycling as well. How important is it to keep the region moving in order to help boost our economy? So I do think this is a really important issue for businesses, for citizens, and indeed for visitors as well, to be able to move around freely. But it's also about doing it in a sustainable way that isn't polluting. So the stat that really sort of struck me at the beginning of all of this is that nearly two-thirds of journeys in the West Midlands are by car. What we're trying to do is give an alternative to car. And you know, a really good bit of news. End of 2017, we got the news that trade had overtaken car as the preferred method of commuting into Birmingham. And we're now the only city outside London where that is the case. So it shows that it's working. It definitely shows. So one or two other stats for you at the moment. You see West Midlands trains up by about 8%, mm. bus usage up by about 1%. And of course, the tram small network at the moment is becoming ever more popular. So people are voting with their feet across the West Midlands and using public transport where it is good enough. And so, I mean, that must be encouraging you and the team to keep looking for for, for additional sort of schemes and further ways of, of doing more in this. Oh, yeah, there's no shortage of encouragement. The issue is both the money to make the investments, and historically we've been starved of that cash, but we do actually have more cash now. Never quite enough, but roughly about £4 billion if you add up all the costs of the things. So just to run through, we're busy extending the metro. We see it opening to Edgbaston uh, this, or to Centenary Square, I should say, this year, Edgbaston the following year. Obviously, we are pushing for the new railway lines for Camp Hill in in, uh, Birmingham and then Warsaw to Wolverhampton, critical link in the black country. And we've just completed the consultation on the first sprint routes and we will be making sure that at least two of those, Warsaw Road, Coventry Road, come by the time of the Commonwealth Games. And and you mentioned the funding there. I mean, what's been the secret to unlocking the funding to allow some of these schemes to take place? To be fair, some of it has come from central government, and that was sort of the devolution deal dividend. And of course, also the HS2 growth growth plan, as we talked about it, and that goes right back to LEP days. But what we've also done is we've thought novelly about how we would deal with things ourselves. So if you take the extension of the metro through the black country, yes, the government gave us some cash, but the final piece of the funding was actually borrowing against future fares. And that's the first time that has been done here. And we will need to look to the private sector for further investment in our transport infrastructure going forward. And it, it strikes me as well that, that, that transport is a great example where the uh, the geographical extent of the combined authority in the area that you're you're mayor for it really works having that oversight because you know it crosses so many different boundaries. Is that is that the case? It's absolutely right, Paul. So when you say to people, when people say, well, you know, how how can the combined authority work? What can it do that local authorities can do? Transport is probably the best example because yeah. commuting patterns don't stop at the edge of a local authority. If you think even even beyond the formal border of the combined authority, about 50% of people who work in Litchfield and Tamworth come into the conurbation. Yeah. So we've got to think across this big geographical area. It's our functional economic geography, isn't exactly it? That's the, sort the of word, the... or the travel to work area is what the anoraks call Is it? There we go. I'm glad I'm not an anorak. No, you've escaped the, that. Um, and you, know, you, you 
briefly mentioned HS2 before. It's something mm. that, that here at the Chamber, we we work very closely with them and um, real sort of advocates and champions, you know, believing it's a game changer, mm. not just for us here, selfishly, but you know the whole country. So we're already seeing lots of tangible signs around the region of the, the impact of, of phase one, the Birmingham to, to London line, as we like to call it. Um, but there continues to be lots of debate around phases two and two A, which is the the piece taking it from Birmingham up to the northeast and the northwest. In your opinion, what do we need to do as a region to ensure that that those northern sections of the route are, are backed and actually happen? It's a very important question. This people think sort of HS two is already in the bag. Yeah. Now let's hope it is for Birmingham to London. But, uh, and I think it is, that's my personal view, and the government's incredibly yes. supportive of it. But the northern sections have not yet gone through Parliament. So to answer your question straight, Midlanders have to keep making the case that we need the northern connections. In a sense, if the line finishes in Birmingham, it will not provide mm. that sort of spine of transport that puts us right at the middle of the whole network for the next 50, 100 years. So we've got to shout up with our friends in Manchester and in Leeds and Newcastle for that case. And it's great actually to say, see the way in which Andy Burnham, the leader of Leeds City Council, and I have sort of come together on yeah. this piece, and that's what we've got to do. And we're seeing similar sort of appetite from, from fellow chambers up in the north, and I think that collectively there's probably a lot of work we can all do to uh, make sure that we're making enough noise to ensure that it actually happens. That's absolutely right. And let's be honest about this. Yeah. I see this as a sort of real article of faith for any government of any political uh, party and indeed any persuasion within a particular party. A real sort of article of faith of are they committed to the future economic success of the whole country? Because that's what this is about. And just sort of closing the, the conversation mm. around, around transport, um, another key initiative uh, that's taking place at the moment is the uh, clean air zone that is going to be introduced in Birmingham only uh, in January 2020. What are your thoughts on that and what it will mean for the city and how businesses will be able to sort of best prepare for it? So my thought is that it is the right thing to do in principle. I've yeah. always said that there is a public health uh, crisis actually around clean air. Uh, and indeed, you can see things that are not to do with the clean air zone where you can contribute to that with just given the commitment, we'll move to a completely clean fleet of buses by the beginning of 2021. Again, the only area outside London to do that. But so it does have to be done. Some of the ways in which it is being done, I do not agree with. I don't think the mitigations, particularly for taxi drivers, for small businesses, for those on poor um, uh, income levels commuting into the zone, are yet sufficiently generous and thought through. And so I want to be engaging with the City Council about more pieces there. But in principle, yes, we have to do it. And the other part, of course, is we have to make sure, goes back to your very first question, that our public transport is good enough to give people an alternative. Precisely, and that's where I suppose we've been talking to the council and others, where the, the timing is a, is a key issue, because we know there's some fantastic developments in public transport which are, are happening, won't all be ready by January 2020, which I suppose is one of the uh, the challenges that we're all going to have to navigate. I know at the Chamber, I think we have a similar view to yourself that uh, we've got to tackle this uh, this crisis in, in, in health, clean air. Uh, everyone would put their hand up and support that, but uh, the actual implementation will be tricky. And so we're currently working on a, a toolkit to help businesses yeah, right. to navigate through and be that's prepared good. for this when it happens. And I think there is still an opportunity, actually, to have a good conversation yeah. with the City Council about some of the really practical aspects of how this is going to be implemented. And I know the business voice is strong around that, yeah. particularly uh, small businesses, sole traders who are genuinely worried about yeah. the impact. 
Look out for more episodes in our mini-series with Andy Street, in which he discusses the Commonwealth Games, the local industrial strategy, inclusive leadership and the future of the high street.